Hey, how's it going? Justin! Welcome to the Friday Habit! (laughs) All right! Here we go! Welcome to the Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Justin, we just gave you the cold open. <laughs> That's great. I love I said, it. we've never done this before. What if we let him into the room and roll the intro and not have those awkward pleasantries where it's like, hey, okay, we're going to record and we're going to talk about this. We're just going to jump right into it. I dig it, man. Yeah, I'm the perfect person to try that experiment out on because that... How did it feel? I, uh, How did it feel? Did you feel a little awkward? I feel great. Did, okay. You feel like the you energy have a little energy? energy right and- away. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love, love your it. set. Thanks. Thank you. Is that AI or is that real? Like now you'd never know. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, I dropped it into Photoshop and then told it to make me a cool background. That's the challenge is that it is actually real. Uh, My wife actually did all of this. She went and sourced all of these radios, some of which are transistor radios, which is appropriate. Yeah. And uh, they're just all this one here behind me was in a uh, not this exact model. The model was in a James Bond movie. There's just, I, every once in a while, I just move the knobs and uh, push the buttons. You get a little love button that tactile therapy, response. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I love that. Yeah. My wife is, is she's good with the stuff. She does a lot of set design and things like that for us. And, you know, she's just got that eye, you know, for the coolness vibe. People yeah. walk into our office and they're like, wow, this is so welcoming and awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it's my wife. Yeah, I wish I could have come and, and checked it out while I was in Denver. Yeah, I'm, hey, uh, that's okay. I was telling Ben, I was like, dude, it's like, you know, I was, I've been thinking for years to go to the podcast movement because it's, you know, one of the biggest podcast, you know, events out there. And it's always been yeah. like in LA or, or some other place. And then like the one time I'm not like on their email list or something like that, I get your email <laughs> that's like, hey, come visit us. We're in Denver. I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? You're like, how, how is this in Denver? And so, you know, you didn't know about it. I didn't even know about it. I know. It's like they need to start working on those Instagram, you know, uh, ads and and Facebook stuff. They need to tighten those up because I live in Denver and I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. And I needed a guy from Canada to send an email out to say, you know, (laughs) say we're all there. Yeah. I know. That's that's funny about the ad stuff because often I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to do like, you know, Instagram ads or Facebook ads or whatever. And we don't, we don't do any of those ads, but the, the funny thing is they do work. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're running an event and totally. you might just, you can target people in Denver that might be into podcasting and all of a sudden you've got them showing up. Yeah. So, well, Ben's in yeah. Lynchburg, Virginia, so he could have flown out here and then we could have, you know, done it together. Yeah. But. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. It is. Have you, have you folks gone before? No, I haven't. Yeah. But I remember, I want to say maybe it was like 20. Was it like 2019 or 18 you spoke at it? Uh, no, I haven't spoken at a podcast movement. I've spoke at a conference in a podcasting conference in Calgary. Before that, almost all my speaking has been in the startup bootstrapping space. And so I'm actually going uh, in uh, what it will be like six weeks. I'm going to Belgium and giving another talk there on how I would build a startup in 2023. Dude, that's awesome. If I had to do it all over again. But um, I didn't even submit a talk 
to podcast movement last year or this year. Okay. And uh, I think I think I'm going to try to start uh, getting in there. I you totally should, you know, because you you have a lot of information that you could probably share and stats and other things like that. And then, you know, I mean, you freaking co-started Transistor, so it's like, how cool is that? I think I think our our experience with Transistor would be helpful. The other thing that surprised me, because I'm still building relationships with this community, is we we shared our story as we were building Transistor. Mm-hmm. So we had all of our revenue stats were uh, our revenue dashboard was public, and then we had this podcast called Build Your SaaS, where every week John and I would just go through as transparent as we could be and just talk about the experience of building the company. And I was surprised by how many uh, people at the conference had heard the show and had followed the journey and were really kind of invested in our story. Yeah, that that perspective, I think, is is unique. Uh, most people keep that stuff under wraps. And for the podcast industry, it was definitely kind of refreshing. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, especially in the podcast industry, because I feel like, you know, everybody holds their cards really close to their chest about numbers and other things like that because we're all insecure that we only have like, you know, a hundred downloads a week or something mm-hmm. like that. And you want to be yeah. like, oh, I'm a loser. And how can I don't have a million downloads this month? You know, but it's one of those yeah. things that I always tell people, I say, you know, imagine if you had 40 people in a room, you know, and you could talk to those 40 people every single week, like that would be a lot of people, you know, that you yeah. could communicate ideas to and share things with. And, you know, I, we have a lot of clients who do podcasting with us and it's really, I always say it's it's not really about those downloads. It's really more about like targeting a niche audience and then communicating to the, those people. And you never mm-hmm. know what kind of work or business or other opportunities might come from you having that podcast and being able to communicate to that niche. And then the other beautiful thing about podcasts is that it gives you a way to create lots of content, you know, doing one mm-hmm. thing. So like we're recording video yeah. here. So it's like, okay, now we have video content. We have the audio yeah. content. We can then maybe turn this into a blog post. We could, you know, create quote graphics from it. So you're doing one thing and then you're able to create a lot of different mediums of content to share and, and put out there. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's unlike any other medium in, in that it does grow slower. Like a podcast audience is typically, it's hard to, um, you know, on YouTube and TikTok, there's these kind of viral loops mm-hmm. and insane distribution that make it likely that you could have a viral moment. But the difference is, even if you had a show, like you said, where just 50 people were listening, if those were the right 50 people, there's a depth that you can develop in, uh, and especially an audio show. I, I know video is becoming really popular, but audio, like if I'm walking to work and I've decided to share that walk with whoever's in my earbuds at the time, there's something, um, unique about that, that you don't get in other mediums. The fact that people stick around for 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. And then if you do, I always look for response rate to podcasts, which is like a term I just made up. And it's not something I track in a spreadsheet. It's just when I release an episode, do I hear about it? Hmm. Because if somebody's driving home from work and uh, they hear something that resonates with them in some way and they keep that in their head 
all the way back from work until they park in their garage and then they take out their phone and send me an email or a DM or something and say, hey, I listened and this was meaningful to me or this made me think about something or eventually, you know, these response rates can show up in uh, like for Transistor, we got tons of customers who are, say, we've been following your story forever, listened to the podcast for years. I was in a meeting and my boss said, hey, we need to start a podcast. And immediately I thought of you folks. So response rate is something that we don't think about very often. And uh, if a TikTok's, TikTok video's primary purpose is just to entertain you for two seconds before you swipe, um, podcasting, I think, has the ability uh, the, the potential to really like impact people in a deeper way, stick with them longer. And you're going to hopefully, if you're doing a show that is resonating, you're going to get these responses in the days, weeks, and years after you've released the show that uh, can be really meaningful. Yeah. And it's, I, I was going to say, when, you know, when we first started the podcast, like whenever we'd get a review, you know, on, on iTunes, it was like, oh, wow. Like, there's some random person out there who said something positive about our podcast. And that's yeah. really encouraging, you know? Yeah. And, and think about how much work that takes. It's, it's not like uh, almost every other medium on the internet, you have this immediate feedback mechanism. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you can give it a thumbs up right away. You can give it a star rating right away. But podcasting, almost always you're preoccupied when you're listening and you have to wait mm -hmm. before you can react, which, by the way, maybe is a better model for the Internet. Maybe we need more, uh, yeah. more, more <laughs> waiting and just like just let that simmer for a little bit before yeah. you give the review. You know, uh, consider what you're going to say. Um, we, we when John and I were starting Transistor, we one of the reasons we chose it is because uh, podcasting felt like slow media. It felt like it wasn't just like. Uh, you know, some of the social media, they'd like demand your attention. They, de they want to be addictive on purpose for the business model. And we liked that, that podcasting was different. It was mm. just like, it, it almost forced you to be more mindful and, um, and consider kind of, you yeah. know, your thoughts. And before you just like react, knee jerk react, you can just like, let it, let it sit for a bit. Yeah, and it's and it's one of those platforms too. And I, I want to go back. I kind of want to hear a little bit more about your journey and your story of of how you even got into coding. And um, mm -hmm. you know, you grew up in Canada, and and did you always dream about kind of being an entrepreneur, or doing your own thing, um, or was it by accident that you started your business? You know, a lot of our listeners they're um, freelancers and creatives and small business owners, and a lot of times we think that you know, we're not able to get to where we want to go or, or we're not special enough. But sometimes when we just hear someone's story, it inspires mm -hmm. us to say, oh, you know, what? I'm not so far from where I want to be. And I have what it takes within me to be successful. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I did. So I was born in 1980 and in Canada and in the uh, in Canada, there was a show that happened after the evening news. And so uh, called Venture, which was all about entrepreneurs. I remember, you know, just these stories of people starting with like multiple credit cards and it went through all the drama of, you know, what it took to bootstrap something from nothing. And some of the stories ended in success and some of them ended in failure. And I love the show. I used to, 
I used to beg my dad. We would watch the news together. And then, can you imagine that? Watching the news together with <laughs> yeah, your dad? Uh, and then, uh, not going to happen the these n- days. <laughs> <laughs> after the news was done, we would, uh, I would beg him to let me watch this show called Venture. And uh, ever since I, I, I just kind of was always interested in business, uh, my parents were both in education, but still entrepreneurial in their, in their own way. And, um, I tried different things over the years in high school. I put on my small town's first rave and, uh, we actually made quite a bit of money from that. And it was really fun. I skipped a lot of grade 12 to plan that (laughs) out and promote it. And then went to college for business and during my practicum worked for a snowboard manufacturing company and then after that, I'd always wanted to start a snowboard shop. And so we started a few uh, when I was in my early 20s. And uh, that did not go well. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it seems like you re- need a lot of capital to make a snowboard shop happen where it's like you have to buy inventory and like have a space. And, I mean, yeah. You, you know what it actually taught me is there's a few things that it taught me. One is uh, we only know kind of what we've been exposed to. There's... Um, there's this idea of like uh, a shrouded ceiling. So you look up at the ceiling and all you can see is what's around you. But if you could get past that, if you could move past it and see what exists in the world, you would be able to make better decisions. And growing up in a small town, the only entrepreneurs I knew were people who own Main Street shops, lawyers, and real estate agents. Like that was it. And there's... So that's the first thing I think uh, I think about now. And then the second thing is just every market, every industry, every category has its own dynamics, uh, dynamics that affect profitability, dynamics that affect how complicated it, it is to run a business, the, the number of variables there are. Um, and they all have uh, really like an, an upper limit of, uh, you know, if you do everything right, in the snowboard retail business, you're you're making between thirty, usually about thirty percent markup on snowboards, and then you have all your fixed costs like employees and uh, lease and insurance and then theft and it just and so your actual profit margin, mm. you know, most retail shops are lucky if they get 15 percent. Right. Uh, I have a friend who runs a coffee shop here in Vernon, and if he does everything right, I think his profit margin is about 10%. And these are actually incredibly sophisticated businesses to run, like they're Mm -hmm. complicated. And nobody, not in business school, not growing up, I never had anybody kind of sit down and, and say, listen, think about this. Every single category, every single type of business has its own dynamics, its own variables, and it turns out local businesses are actually just very complicated to run, have low margins, and have a lot of kind of, you ha- there's a lot of sophistication to running those businesses. Right. Like the amount of sophistication it took to run those snowboard shops is way more than what it takes to run Transistor. Just wow. way less That's stuff. Crazy. You don't have to worry about pre-booking and ordering product. You don't have to worry about cash flow as much. You don't have to worry about theft. You don't have to worry about insurance. You don't like, there's all of these, Mm -hmm. uh, variables you don't have to think about. So that was a painful experience. I think, you know, we were, we ended up having to remortgage our house to pay off 
you know, stuff. And it was, it was not uh, a fun time, but I think without that experience, I, I wouldn't have learned this lesson, which I now try to share with other people, which is the, the market you're in will actually determine most of what you experience. It's most of your potential for profit and all those other things. And it also determines what kind of life you're going to have, what kind mm. of, um, what kind of challenges you're going to face. Every market has these characteristics. And sometimes we gloss over those things like, uh, you know, you want to start a pizza shop. Oh, that's so great. You should start a pizza shop. But starting a pizza shop is actually difficult for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's because those are just really, really hard businesses to run compared to, you know, um, you know, as I kept trying stuff in business, I went into consulting at one point, consulting, much simpler business uh, with better margins, still limited by some factors. Um, you're limited by your time and other things, but at least it's simple enough that um, there's a less margin for error and you can make better money doing it. Mm -hmm. After the snowboard shops, eventually I got into the software industry around 2008. So I was about 28 years old and worked my way up at a few startups until I was product manager and then eventually went out on my own. I uh, did some of my own products. I had a course called Marketing for Developers that did really well. So what is this drive in you to like try these? Like I, I don't hear you saying like I went to go work for KPMG in a cube and I, mm. you know, did that. Like what is this yeah. drive of like trying things and, and doing stuff? Yeah, I was hungry. I was mm. like, I really had a drive uh, that came from, I mean, it's hard to describe because I, I think once you are kind of in it, like once you want want to figure this problem out of how do you, how can you create something from nothing, but also just like what makes people buy, mm -hmm. what makes one business work and another not. Was there a um, financial aspect to it too? Like an element of, of you saying like, yeah, I don't, I just don't want to get by. Like I, I want to potentially try to like make a really yeah, good yeah. living and be in yeah, charge I mean, of my I think own. We, my wife and I had kids quite young, which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> When you uh, say quite young, are we talking like high school just, is quite young no, or no, just like just, early 20s? Yeah, 22. Okay, yeah, that's um, quite young. But I, I, I think that what the challenge there is that, you know, you're – and I, now I have my – old, my oldest kids are 21, 18. And, you know, those years are formative years where mm -hmm. you're figuring stuff out. And having kids so young, it just made – it was like, okay, I got to figure out this financial stuff right away. Mm. And, you know, as many young people in the job market right now are realizing the, the job market's tough, especially yeah. when you're young. Uh, and it's, I, I'd say it's even worse, worse now. And so when you're having thoughts of like, okay, how are we going to afford a house? How are we going to afford kids? Um, and how are we going to have the freedom and flexibility that will give our family a good life? Mm -hmm. um, that definitely played into it, too, for sure. So I, I was already interested in business, but then it was like yeah. business could be a path to, you know, eventually getting uh, some margin in our life 
that we wouldn't be able to get from just a regular job. Right. So then, you know, getting married young, uh, was your wife pretty supportive then? And like you like starting businesses and, and doing the snowboard shop and all that kind of stuff. Like she's like, why won't you just get a normal job? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes there's, there was times I probably should have gotten a normal job. And then I did, I, you know, I worked in the software industry Mm -hmm. uh, as an employee for quite a few years. Um, I always had that drive though of wanting to do it, but at, you know, it's again, I I think I I don't, it's hard to give advice in this particular area because Mm -hmm. it was like, we were so young and it's like ignorance is bliss almost in some ways. Yeah. I mean, now I think I can give advice to young people. Like Mm -hmm. I think, um, if you don't have dependents, that's a great time to experiment. Mm Mm-hmm. If you do have dependents, my my advice has changed a bit. I, I think you got to be very careful and mindful mm-hmm. about um, what you risk. And um, the, the biggest challenge when you start a business is that you're going to go broke or burn out. Yeah. And that risk increases the, and the pressure increases the more people you have depending on you. Yeah. And it's not a... a I think we, especially North American culture, sometimes glosses over that because entrepreneurialism is cool now and people, you know, want to encourage people to start Hustle, grind, crush. Hustle, grind, crush. And it's, I don't think it's good advice. I think you really want to be careful if you have, especially if you have young children. And it also is, it's, it's, it's uh, situation dependent. Like, it's okay if you have a spouse that says, I don't really want you grinding, you know, like coming home from work and then spending 10 hours a night uh, working on your startup. I, I'd prefer for you to be present. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas another spouse might say, oh, this is great. You should go and do that. So it's dependent on your situation. There's no general advice. But, yeah. Um, and, and I think I your personality too, like what drives you, you know, I, I know for me, you know, I was doing video production, podcasting, photography, all that kind of stuff on the side, like nights and weekends. I was just working a day job and I mm-hmm. was the uh, director of creative media for this real estate tech startup. And, uh, I got laid off uh, the first week of January in 2016. And so at that moment I was like, all right, like I'm going to maybe look at turning my side hustle into my full-time thing And Mm -hmm. I got three kids, I got a mortgage, you know, all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, all right, I have to make this work, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I kind of hit the ground running and then just made it work. And so I think there's an element too of sometimes, yeah, you also want to be mindful of those younger children in your life that you want to be present and you want to, they're the, like you said, the most formative years of their lives. So you want to be involved and you don't want to make those classic mistakes. You hear of these old entrepreneurs that like, Oh, I just was married to my job and I just Mm -hmm. forgot about my children and my wife. And, and I missed out on all those years. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to end up in that place, but in the same way you might, in my situation, I felt like those things were the things that motivated me to like do like to win, you know? Yeah. It's hard because it can be motivating to have for sure, like having kids and having young family motivated me to 
want to do all this. But there's a tension there, mm-hmm. which is I know a lot of I meet a lot of people. I got them in my inbox all the time. And they're like, I'm so motivated to do this for my family. And I'm like, but your spouse is p- clearly saying that this is too much right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and 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 balancing all that, figuring all that stuff out, um, it's it's tricky. Everyone kind of has to do it. I I've just I think in the last five, 10 years, I've been a lot more careful about the advice I give mm-hmm. instead of like, rah, rah, like go do it. No matter what you can do it. You got it. It's like, well, it's very possible. This thing you're working on isn't going to work. Yeah. And, and if that, if you don't have enough margin in your life, in your relationships, in your finances, in your time, if you don't have enough margin in your life to, uh, risk that, to bet that, to make that bet, then maybe you should wait. If you have that margin, then go for it, you know, and expect that it might not work out. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and even it, with Transistor, I felt like <laughs> there's times where it's like, <laughs> man, like if this doesn't work out, gah, like yeah. it might, you know, I the the we made it through that that ring of fire, but. Um, uh, I don't want to gloss over the fact that there was a real risk yeah. there. Well, and I'm sure a lot of sacrifice and pain and heartache and all these other kind of things that accompany doing anything great. So at what point did you get into coding? I've always been into computers. Okay. We got our first computer in like 1985. Like a Radio Shack uh, Tandy or something like that? Uh, first was a VIC-20, a Commodore VIC-20, and okay. then a Radio Shack Tandy 1000. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I played a lot of like uh, Oregon Trail, you know, I got dysentery and died. Yeah. Yeah. I was like really into Sierra games like King's Quest and okay. all those games. Um, yeah. I've always been in computers. I, I always struggled with programming, um, which I, I tried teaching myself Turbo Pascal when I was a kid. And then uh, when the internet came around... HTML was just so accessible and it was like instantly it just kind of clicked for me and I loved building stuff on the web. I'm still to this day not a very good programmer, but the ability to build stuff on the web using little HTML, little CSS, some JavaScript to me is still incredible. And um, yeah, I've just always been into it. So I would say that I'm on most teams. I end up being I'm I'm technically savvy. Uh, I built I have built a lot of and and uh, I built a lot of stuff, but uh, I'm on most teams. I end up being not the main builder. Uh, in in this case with Transistor, that had that was my co-founder John. Um, but yeah, I've always been into it, and uh, I think especially for marketing, it's been a real asset because I can build my own stuff. Mm. And we treat at Transistor, we treat the marketing site like a web application in the same way that our our dashboard and all the tools for podcasters are an application. So our, our main application is built in Ruby on Rails. And then our marketing site is built with a framework called Laravel. And they're like both fully functional web applications. And when we build out something new for the marketing site, 
we treat it like a feature. Mm. And uh, we can do all sorts of interesting things. Like we're going to be building a lot more free tools. But, you know, I have a podcast preview tool that allows you to upload your cover art and see it alongside other uh, cover art in your category. Mm -hmm. See if it pops or whatever. We have a tool... Uh, for downloading free music that allows you to like play the track and then heart it and download it, um, and we're gonna we're gonna keep building these things out as we move along. That's that's awesome. I, I and it kind of keeps things fresh and exciting. And I'm sure that being in in a specific like niche industry too, you kind of are able to see where there might be holes or like problems, and then it's like, oh, I have an idea of how to fix this, and that's really invigorating as well. Yeah. Yeah. There can be, there's two kinds of, uh, you know, uh, you can build free tools that are for marketing and then you have a paid tool that's for, you know, the, the business side. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're trying to do both. We're trying to offer people some, some free things that are helpful and useful and hopefully earn their trust, um, to try out transistor at some point. Yeah. So let's talk about transistor a little bit more because, uh, I honestly don't even know how I found it. I think mm. I was tired of Libsyn and Podbean and all these tools just felt kind of like clunky and that they were built on a platform in the early 2000s. And then they just tried to bandaid it for a decade, you know, to make it like, mm -hmm. hey, this is the system. And so I was looking for something that was just new and different. And I, mm -hmm. I stumbled upon Transistor and uh, it was it just felt minimal and clean and simple. And also I was, I love podcasting. And so it's like this idea of like, okay, well, I want to have a show and then, oh, maybe my buddy Ben and I can have a show together. And then it was this idea of like, well, I don't have to spend $20 each show to like have my shows. I can experiment and, and spin up these shows on the platform mm -hmm. and uh, not have any restrictions. And so that was really enticing to me. And so I signed up and I remember I reached out to you early on because I was speaking at this uh, Remax convention in Chicago and I was like, hey, can you send me a T-shirt and some stickers? And because uh, I'm going to be speaking and I want to like promote Transistor because I think it's like really awesome. And so you sent me some stickers and a T-shirt. I remember and, that. Yeah. Yeah. That was so fun. That was. And so I, I was just like, you know, a fan out of the gate. And so um you know, I try to, oh, to, to promote you guys as much as, as much as I can. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I would love to hear a little bit about the idea of starting this business. You know, you kind of mentioned a little bit how you, you know, really loved podcasting and you love this mm -hmm. intimateness of it. Um, mm -hmm. but, but what, what about it was like the next business idea? Like what were you doing before then? And then you're like, Hey, I see a hole here. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I started podcasting in 2012. I had a show called Product People that was basically, originally it was going to be for product managers. Uh, my friend and I were going to do it together. And then we were like, we just really wanted to talk to startup founders that we admired. And so we pivoted the show to that and just had an amazing experience doing it. Um, almost every good thing in my life can actually be traced to that show. Um, not every good thing, but every good thing yeah. in my career, I would say. Yeah, minus uh, your wife and kids and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Of course. yeah. But uh, it was, yeah, that show was really important. Um, there's so, Just being able to meet people and make connections and then uh, those connections, you know. So one of the people that was listening to the show was a guy named Chase Reeves, uh, who was in Portland. And he reached out to me and said, I would like you to be on this 
podcasting panel I'm doing at New Media Expo. And um, he invited me to go to that. I met a bunch of people from the industry there. And all along, you know, I was getting pitched from people who were building stuff for podcasters. And I was always like, it didn't feel right. It was just podcasting was very DIY, mostly hobbyists. Um, It was very difficult to, you know, sell them something. They didn't like spending very much money. And then I met John in 2014, my co-founder. He had built the first version of Simplecast and he wanted me to try it out. And so I switched some shows to that and we kept hanging out in the, you know, every year we would go to the same conference together, this conference in Portland called XOXO, uh, Chase Reeves, that same guy introduced us there. So there's another kind of, uh, podcast connection. And then, um, we had built a few projects together and then around 2016, 2017, I noticed things were starting to change in podcasting. Uh, Serial came out, which was this massive like pop culture uh, phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I have this coffee shop test, which is if you're in the line in a coffee shop, what are people talking about? Uh, it's also the chairlift test. Like if you get on a chairlift with somebody and you look over and you ask, you know, you're talking about like what they're into or whatever. Um, it, it started to shift from people talking about you know, Netflix shows they liked or apps they had used on their iPhone to podcasts. Mm. It was just organically coming up more and more. Statistically, 51% of Americans had listened to a podcast. So it kind of ticked over into the majority of Americans had listened. Mm-hmm. And a lot of brands were starting podcasts at the time. So all of these factors were kind of in play. Um, I was joining, like, uh, Nick Kwa had started Hot Pod, a newsletter for podcasts, for the podcast industry. And then there was also a forum at the beginning that I was hanging out in as well. And I could just see, like, things are happening here. Like, Mm -hmm. this is starting to pick up momentum. And then I was talking to John, uh, who was working for Cards Against Humanity at the time. And he said, uh, you know, Cards is thinking about doing uh, a new podcast called The Good News Podcast. And um, I told him I'd build a little tool that would allow them to, you know, a little podcast hosting tool. And I said, you know, John, maybe we should actually do this. Like maybe the, the podcasting is the wave of podcasting is at the right to- time and spot that if we paddled out together, we'd be able to catch this wave. Mm. It also felt like, uh, to your point, like a lot of the tools in the space were kind of old and crusty at that point. Like people were kind of looking for something new. And this happens in a lot. When people ask me if there's still potential to build new products or whatever, I'm like, well, there's a lot of categories where the incumbents are just kind of old and crusty Mm -hmm. and people are just kind of like hungry for something new. They just want something fresh, you know? And so all of these factors kind of came into play John and I decided, yeah, we're going to do this as a business. And we signed partnership agreement in early 2018. Uh, John had already built some of it. We just kept working on it like evenings and weekends. I was already uh, like a solopreneur at that point, mm-hmm. but John was still working. We recorded the whole project. You can go and listen to it on the Build Your SaaS podcast. Uh, SaaS is software as a service. That's what we were building. And, um, we just recorded the whole journey, all the stress, everything. And we launched on August 1st, 2018, uh, actually in the Cards 
Cards Against Humanity offices. We were like working there on the weekend. And then um, skipping ahead, the next by the next year, August 1st, 2019, we were both full-time wow. on Transistor. That's that's awesome. Wow. So I, I must have really found you like right as you guys mm-hmm. like crested. Early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so so okay, so so now you're you're started a podcast like software company. How 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 large have you grown? Are you are you guys now more like a three four person team or are you? Yeah, we've grown pretty slowly. Uh, I think. Let's see. So 2018, 2019, we're both full time, and then around around 2019, we hired uh, Helen. Uh, just part-time as a part-time contractor to help us with customer success and customer service is really important to us. Like we have live chat and we try to answer it 24 hours a day. And she was in the UK and that worked so well that we decided to hire her full-time. So she was our first full-time employee. And then uh, a little while after that, we hired Jason as another engineer and then just most recently, we hired Josh. Um, we got a lot of J's. Nice. <laughs> we hired Josh as a web developer on the marketing side. So now we're five people okay. uh, full-time. And we are hoping to stay about this size. Yeah. Um, it's funny, at Podcast Movement, this conference, a lot of our competitors, we're friendly with a lot of our competitors. And um, a lot of them have been following our story. Mm-hmm. And they just sometimes will say, Man, you're at the perfect size. Like just, <laughs> just yeah. stay, stay there if you can. Uh, so I think yeah, five to seven, maybe ten people would be our max. But um, yeah, we're about five people, and um, yeah, it's it, right now. It just feels like that's enough. <laughs> that's enough people to uh, to. And we've only actually hired. We've we've never hired for growth. Like we've never hired so that we like grow more. We've always hired to, uh, make our lives better. Mm. So, you know, we hired Helen cause I was like answering tickets all the time and I just wanted some relief from that. And then we hired Jason because we need more engineering help. So it wasn't all on John's shoulders. And then we hired Josh. So there was more marketing help. So it wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't trying to build everything on the website myself. Um, and so that's kind of been our hiring philosophy is just like, let's hire to make our lives better mm-hmm. because we started the business to have a good life. And so we've, we've tried to shape everything around that idea. The product is for customers. The product is, should be, give the best possible experience to customers and help them achieve what they want to do. But the company is for us. The company is to give us a good life. And um, having those two distinctions have been really helpful for us when we make decisions around what are we going to do? Are we going to build this? Are we going to go into this? Are we going to try to take funding and grow super fast or something? We've always just been like, well, in terms of the company, we want to have a good life. So at what point did you guys decide to go full time? Was it just financially things were rolling along and mm-hmm. you were making enough money to where it's like, Hey, I think we could pay each other a salary. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was always the goal was to, I, I had been thinking so much about, um, markets and the power of a good market. And just by the time it came to start transistor, 
I wanted to start something that ha- would have the potential uh, to have good margins, good enough growth. Podcasting is not huge, no, but it was no. big enough mm-hmm. that I was like, I think we could build a, a nice small business here. And I wanted it to be a healthy business. Like I, I didn't want, I'd started all the small businesses, like, you know, retail shops, web development shop, videography shop, um, consulting. Uh, I sold, like I said, I sold this book and course called Marketing Developers for a long time. I'd done all this stuff. And the next bet I took, I wanted the payoff to be worth it. And this is just another thing I've noticed with small business people is, is that they, they make these, they're making these bets and these like arrangements with themselves, not acknowledging that if you're going to go into business for yourself, like it has to be a better payoff than if you were going to have a job. And often what people are looking for is the freedom and flexibility, but unless the kind of economic fundamentals are there, it's hard to sustain the freedom and flexibility. Mm. So you can have the freedom and flexibility, but if the economic fundamentals are, aren't there, eventually, um, you know, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to be, it's, it's just going to go back into stress and survival mode. And so when we were building Transistor from the beginning, it was like, okay, I think this is a good market. I think this is a good time in the market. I think we are, we have all of this experience, like we're bringing all these things to the table. If we're going to take a swing at this, I want it to feel like a good line drive. Like we, we've got something here that could, has the right fundamentals to give us a good life. And, um, yeah, from the beginning we're all, we were thinking about that. And so that meant, you know, when we were bootstrapping the infrastructure for the hosting business, which is pretty it's actually hard. It's hard to do, even with Amazon Web Services and all these things. Getting the margins right was a lot of work, mm. and um, but we were we cared about it because we wanted to have enough profit margin in the business that we could eventually, uh, like eventually, after all the hard work, enjoy it a little bit and um, get to the point where we weren't just constantly in a cycle of, you know on a hamster wheel. We wanted to feel like, okay, we're going to put some work into this Mm -hmm. and then there's going to be a payoff. And I think more small business people need to be thinking about it, especially since you're, it's likely you're going to have to have a lot of bets over the years. And so if you do finally get a bet that gives you a payoff, you want to make sure that you're paying off all of those past bets, right? All of those years in the wilderness where you were giving your time and your energy and making sacrifices and not getting paid as much and all those things. Eventually, you want to be able to get to the point where you have a bet that pays off all those other bets that you made and make those worthwhile as well. And um, yeah, once once we got to a cert- certain point, it was just like, okay, yeah, we're both going full-time on transistor. And, um, John was very happy to do that because he was like working the day job and transistor. That was, you can't do that for very long. Um, and so as soon as we had the money to do it, it was like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going full time. And, um, yeah, so that was 2019. So that's four years ago. 
How have you protected your partnership? You know, you, you always hear people say like, oh, don't go into business with anybody else, you know, and, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's hard to keep, you know, everybody happy and or like, you know, I want to be the person that makes all the decisions and not have to debate with somebody else. Like how, how mm-hmm. have you guys protected your relationship and your business and all that kind of stuff? I mean, I, I had tried other partnerships in the past and they hadn't all worked out. Um I think with John, one significant thing was I'd had this experience before of like an uneven partnership where some, one of us was like running way faster than the other person. And John was the first time where I felt like I was running at my pace, doing what I was best at. And I looked beside me and there's somebody who's really good at what he does running right alongside me Mm. and in tandem. And so having that feeling of, wow, he's really good at building product. And I think I'm good at shaping product. That's kind of where we came together in the middle. But in terms of actually implementing it in a way that was solid infrastructure, well-designed, responsive, performant, like he was just able to take that part, which meant I could just focus all my attention on the things I was good at. And that working in tandem, mm. you could just see it working. It was mm-hmm. just like, wow, like That's we're, we're really working with each other. It is hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's, 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 uh, the, any human relationship is hard. Every time you add a new team member there, it, it there's challenges there. Human beings, you know, we all have our own emotions. We all have our own stuff going on at home. We all have our own, experiences from our past, good and bad, that affect who we are today. It, it's complicated, for sure. Um, the, and uh, it's something that we have to keep working at. <laughs> so um, one thing John and I realized is we need to do a founder's retreat every year. We didn't do one this year, and it, it did affect us, I think. Mm. Um, he, him and I ended up going... T- out to Denver a day early this year to hang out. So we know for our relationship, we need FaceTime. We need just time him and I, uh, especially when you're a re- remote team, the, the people's experience, like when they're in their own office space and all they have is text interaction or some zoom calls, it's just easy to like get offended easy. It's mm-hmm. easy to get misunderstood. It's easy to feel, you know, there's days where I feel like I'm not valuable or whatever. And it, it's just because there's no immediate feedback. Now there's mm-hmm. benefits too, mm-hmm. to not all being in the same space. You, you, there's pros and cons, but I think the, for us, what it's meant is we need to have a team retreat every year. So Last year we did Montreal uh, for a week, and this year we're doing Nashville for a week. Uh, we're gonna we're leaving in like ten days or something for that. Awesome. And uh, we do our team retreats. It's just like we go hang out, we go for meals, we do some tour touristy things. We spend a lot of time just together, and um, as you kind of sit together. As humans, it helps rekindle some of the stuff that that you know. Left if you don't do it, can you know everything becomes kind of brittle and has the potential to, uh, you know, 
have a negative impact. So that's what we're trying. And yeah. uh, it's, again, human working with humans in a team is not, there's nothing easy about it. it it's And a, a co-founder is, it's not quite like being married, but there are similarities. It's just, you know, regular phone calls is important. Um, actually talking about what is on your mind. Um, being, it's one reason actually the podcast was so helpful because every week we used to sit down and have these candid conversations, but because the microphones were on, we had to elevate ourselves a bit and be the kind of the best versions of ourselves. And, um, I, in some ways I miss the fact we still do the show maybe every once, like once a month, but I miss those, like, that was really good for us. Um, the other thing that we do that's actually been really good for us is we we do our own bookkeeping. We just have a, it's called, if the IRS ever finds us, they're going to wonder about this. But we have a, a recurring schedule called uh, meeting called Cook the Books every every month, <laughs> nice. and we just get together and we just review our mm. our uh, our bookkeeping stuff together. And there's something about that that's like nice. It's like yeah. this kind of simple thing. We're just like categorizing transactions mm-hmm. and oh, what was this and what was this? And it just like, uh, has been a helpful, you know, recurring thing that we do to, to touch base. Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's awesome. And I, you know, Ben and I, we, this podcast was born out of, you know, we connected for the first time in person. We met in 2014, I think, or 2015, because I hired his company to build a website for a company that I was working with. And so mm. we met virtually because, you know, everything he did was, you know, virtual and, and we kind of just hit it off and, and, and I joked it with him about like, oh yeah, you should come to Denver sometime. And he's like, oh, I've always wanted to see it. Um, and then we both went on this business, um, like uh, retreat thing and we met in person for the first time and we were just like, you know, buds out of the gate. And then we were like, hey, we should get together like every year. And so we started this thing called Bro Mountain Getaway. (laughs) And so we head out, you know, somewhere. He was coming to Denver. So we'd head out to the mountains somewhere. And then we'd just spend a weekend just talking about business and ideas and things like that. And Mm -hmm. um, he developed this system called the Friday Habit System. And and I was like, man, this would be a great, like, like the Friday Habit just sounds like a great idea for a podcast, you know, and we could... Mm -hmm. And so we kind of started talking about that in 2019 and then, and then, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, it's really helped our friendship one that we get together almost on a weekly basis to record the show. And then, mm-hmm. and then two, like every year we, for the past four years or whatever, have gotten together in person, whether like this year, his whole family went on a epic road trip and, you know, he, uh, came through Colorado with his family and we got to hang out and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, there's no, y- I think re- working remote is great. I love it. I, I love that we can all live where we want to live and it gives us all sorts of flexibility, but you need at least once a year and probably more, um, you need to get together in real meat space. And, uh, it, that there's something about the humanizing of being together that we need. And, uh, yeah, so that's part of our approach to keeping keeping it all working. When you were looking into the market, did you guys do much research about how large the the market was, like the viability of it, you know, yeah. or was it just this gut feeling of I think we should do something in this space? 
Yeah, see, this is a good point. I I have this metaphor that business is like surfing, and I think it works well because you have this idea of the market is the wave, and then the business owner is the surfer. So you paddle out for a good wave. If you paddle out for a bad wave, you're going to have a bad ride. If you paddle out for a wave that's too big, uh, you might not eat make it. Eat some sand. You might eat some sand. But there's this other thing about surfing, which is just that surfers show up all the time. They're in the water all the time. They're paddling. They're observing the weather. They're, they, they get to know a spot. And then they just have an intuitive sense. They develop an intuitive sense of what kind of wave is worth paddling out for. I think you can do research, but what really helped us was time in the water. Mm. It was just like we had layers and layers and layers of experience, connections, skills, and resources that helped us understand the podcasting market and also then paddle out for that wave and kind of execute on it. And if, if you came in cold even if you had done a bunch of research, you wouldn't be able to outcompete us because mm-hmm. we've just have all that time in the water mm-hmm. that you can't, you can't replace that time. And I think my advice is like, people need to be seeking out markets, categories, industries, audiences that um, are interesting to them and then spend years and years in the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when a wave comes that looks good, you're going to be best positioned to take advantage of it. Uh, the surfers who stay home all the time and never go out to the spot miss the good waves. Mm. But the surfers who show up every day, even when you know the waves aren't good and still spend time in the water and still work on their fundamentals and still build connections and still build skills, when the wave comes, they're ready for it. And there's something about kind of soaking in a space for a long time Developing an aptitude to recognize a good wave, developing the skill set to go paddle out for that wave. But until you've kind of soaked into it, it's hard to understand it. And uh, so I think research in the sense of just years and years of life experience uh, was really what helped us to understand. We understood it, to your point, in our guts that Mm -hmm. it was like, there's something happening here. It's all of these observations culminating here in this place, and it's like, wow, okay, now's the time to go after this. It feels right. Um, it's what makes business so hard. Yeah. Is, you know, I can give the advice, and people think it's, uh, you know, prescriptive. And uh, I say, well, <laughs> and, and they're like, well, there was like 10 other podcast hosting companies that launched the same year as you. How come, if, if it's just all about the market and all that stuff, how come they didn't win? And I said, well, likely because they just had not been soaking in it as long. They, mm. they just didn't understand it as, in, as intuitively as we did. And, um, and not just podcasting, but we were both tech people. We understood how to build good products. We'd been building products forever. We understood how to ship things, like really good features. We had been podcasting ourselves. John had built the first version of Simplecast. We had like all of these things... Mm-hmm that helped us. And any success really ends up being the culmination of all of these factors. It's not just one. It's like, it's the culmination of everything at once that produces the success. 
including yeah. the luck and the timing and everything else. Um, and I think that the, the advice then is to go out and experience some stuff, mm-hmm. go out and get in some waters, go, go get involved in a category, um, go and get in motion, doing things, being involved, building stuff. And my theory is that as you're in motion, opportunities will present themselves. Mm. So when you launched it, when you put it out there, did you spend like just a million dollars advertising, like trying to really like pump it everywhere? So no. it was seen, how, how did people find it? And I guess, I guess from speaking from experience, I Googled it. It was such a clean and, and simple and, and enticing product. It was just good that it was easy for me to like sign up for and then share when people were asking me, you know, Hey, yeah. what, what pro- platform should I use? Oh, you get, you have to use transistor. And then right now, whenever someone signs with us, we usually transition them from whatever platform they're on over to transistor. Yeah. Well, thank you. That <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't think we've, we've maybe spent $3,000 on advertising total in our whole company history. So we haven't spent much on paid acquisition yet. Not saying that we shouldn't. Um, we probably should be, but we haven't done a ton of paid acquisition. The initial customers came from my audience, from our network, from the tech community. We still have quite a few customers from the, the startup tech, uh, software developer world that start podcasts with us. And that was maybe our first, I don't know, 100 to 250 customers, something like that. And then we started uh, building up other channels along the way. So search engines, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people finding our content, putting out lots of content, telling our story. Uh, Story has been really powerful for us. It's just like people tell stories. And so uh, we've got pretty good word of mouth. Uh, affiliates is a good channel for us. We have people that have built up sites that get, you know, lots of traffic and they, um, have reviewed transistor and they make us one of their picks, but they also get a cut of that, of Mm -hmm. that, uh, recommendation. And then, um, so search affiliates, brand storytelling, uh, that's been a lot of it. It was just, and our, and they all kind of magnify and amplify each other as mm-hmm. well. So, you know, um, I, I haven't been a huge fan of what's going on on Twitter, but I have a pretty big audience there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still hesitant to give it up because yeah. it's been a good amplifier and magnifier for us. Um, and, you know, we get uh, a new customer like uh, Ali Abdal is a customer and just having him as a case study is helpful yeah. for us. People hear about us through him. People hear about us through the Acquired Podcast, which is an amazing kind of hardcore history for businesses. Uh, they just switched to us. And so these things kind of all build on top of each other. The nice thing about podcasting is that uh, every day there's thousands of people who wake up around the world who wake up and Google, how do I start a podcast? Uh, so there's momentum there that's kind of driving the whole industry that you don't get in some other categories. In some other markets, it really feels like you're always pulling, like you're always like pulling the customer, mm-hmm. whereas in this case, the market has the pull. 
the market is just pulling people saying, oh yeah, I want to start a podcast. And then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, where, how do I start a podcast? Oh, I need hosting. Best podcast hosting. Oh, here's some options. I'm going to try them out. Um, we get a lot of business just from customer intent. They just like, I want to start a podcast. I need podcast hosting. What's the best podcast hosting? And then hopefully they find Transistor and um, sign up and try us out. That's that's generally the 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 funnel. All right, yeah, I, that's 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 wonderful, and I think it's a great example to everyone out there that if you just build something that you're passionate about and that you believe in, and that is solving a problem, that you you'll have success. You know, the the other lesson there is to build something that people are already searching for. Mm, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to put it because yeah. everything else, passion and all those other things, they, they are uh, necessary but not sufficient mm-hmm. for success. What you really need is a product people are already searching for. Yeah, It's like, uh, you know, if we've had someone come by our house uh, that, that was detailing cars. And it's like, I'm always thinking about like, man, the car's so dirty. I wish I could get somebody to clean it up. And having somebody come by and go, hey, I detail cars. And I'm like, okay, let me see your reviews. And I see my buddy Andrew used the same service. I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm already searching for this. I'm already waiting for something like this. I'm already like wanting this. This 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 desire already exists. And um even better than, you know, having to come to somebody and pitch it on them. If the customer is already taking proactive action, if they're typing something into Google, then there's already a lot of intent there. They're already searching for a solution. And one mistake I see people making is they'll say, here's my idea. And I'll say, um, who's already searching for that? Or how do you know people are already searching for something Mm -hmm. like that? And they'll be like, I don't know. I just think it's a good idea. It's like, well, no, you need people already in motion. Mm-hmm. Our, our business would not work. We, we need hundreds of new trials every month to sustain the business. And so we need hundreds of people and really thousands of people, like I said, who are waking up every day and who are searching for something like Transistor. Mm-hmm. That's the key. And if you don't have that, if you're just, you know, building something that's interesting to you, but people aren't actively looking for, you're going to have a really hard time. You're going to have to be pulling customers to you as opposed to the customers are just coming to you because they already know what they need. They're just Mm -hmm. looking for the best solution. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. That's so true, man. I, I feel like there's a lot more things that I want to talk about and maybe we just need to save this for like another episode, you know, because there's <laughs> there's best practices and, you know, like and just Ben the, hasn't talked once. This whole time. He's yeah. just, uh, I'm just sitting here listening. I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm learning a lot. I, I think it's the quietest I've been in a long time. <laughs> it is the quietest you've been. You've just been. I'm just I'm like, lurking in the okay? corner. Yeah. <laughs> Do we, does, does Ben need a snack? Do we, you... <laughs> do we gotta send postmates to Ben? Yeah. <laughs> um well listen, Ben, I know even though you haven't talked that much this episode, because I have bogarted this conversation <laughs> and I apologize. <laughs> but I know you've probably taken copious amount of notes. So give me your top five takeaways from this episode. Absolutely. Uh so many, but I, I'll pick just a few, yeah. 
one thing you said, Justin, that I, I'm taking away is that you said the market you choose will often determine your maximum profitability, the challenges you have, and what your life will look like, which key thing. That's like why every time somebody tells me, I want to start a coffee shop, I'm like, sounds like a very idealistic, I you know, it's like, oh, that sounds mm-hmm. like a great thing. But like the reality, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but the reality is you got to know what you're getting into and what the margins are and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Have your eyes wide open and be yeah. realistic about it. Um, I loved your hiring philosophy. Don't just hire for growth, hire to make your life better. I think that's awesome because you're really focusing on like the purpose of the business, which is, hey, this is a business to create a good work environment and lifestyle for us and our employees. Makes a ton mm-hmm. of sense. I love that you said, if you want to recognize the right wave in the right market, you got to spend more time in the water. And the last yeah. one I got here is create a product or service that people are already searching for. Yeah. Perfect, mm. man. Good stuff. Can, can I borrow Ben for... Uh, <laughs> can, can, I, can Ben just give me a debrief every day? <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. go. It's like, what do I got going on? He's can, the best. Can we, can we put Ben into an artificial intelligence and just get yeah. that product? What you didn't I, know is that Ben is AI. That's right. <laughs> He's deep faked in the basement in Virginia. Yeah, this is an AI background I created of a basement to look more authentic because it looked yeah, like I'm in a basement. Exactly. <laughs> You're fooling me. <laughs> well, hey, uh, okay. If you could leave one bit of advice for somebody uh, who's looking to start a podcast or wanting to get into podcasting podcasting what would that be oh it's you you're it's the same principles that apply to product apply to podcasting so you're creating a show that people want to listen to you're creating a show that people are searching for you're creating a show that people are already desiring like they already desire that Mm. it exists you're just showing up and giving them what they're looking for already and if you do that uh, and you make it unique make it compelling it's like nobody ever wakes up in the morning and says they want to listen to a boring podcast. Make it compelling. However you do that, be creative. That's uh, that's a good. It'll probably take you multiple tries. That's that's why you can start multiple podcasts on Transistor because you have a, a you know a bunch of tries in there. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, consistency over a long period of time produces results. It's true. Yeah. Where can someone connect with you if they want to find out more about what you're into? Listen to your podcasts. Follow you. Sign up for Transistor. Yeah, uh, I have a personal blog at justinjackson.ca where I've written a lot of this stuff. The podcast is Build Your SaaS. And we have live chat on transistor.fm. So if you want to chat with me or someone else on the team, just pop over there and ask us questions, give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to The Friday Habit. Go to thefridayhabit.com to find show notes for this episode. There you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. And at the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit system that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts. And if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at hello at thefridayhabit.com. That's right. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday.